So a couple things here as, as we get started. Uh, first of all, my name is Micah Pritchard, and I am the co-founder of ServiceReef.com, which to you may not mean a lot, but what we do is we specialize in uh, finding out what it is and how to make your short-term trips uh, more effective and more efficient. And we have a tool online, but I'm not going to talk about that today. Uh, what I really want to do is I'm in a unique position to look out across many different organizations and see as we run thousands of participants each year through trips, how different things are going on that are effective, that work, that don't work, lessons that are learned the hard way. And um, I want to just be able to present that to you. Because in essence, it doesn't matter what tool or system you use, if it's online, if it's Excel, if it's Post-it notes, it doesn't even matter. What really matters is how do we get you guys to be more efficient and effective. And really the purpose of being efficient is to be effective. Because if you can save yourself time in certain areas, and we're going to go through a lot of different things that we can do, the idea is if you can save your time here, you can spend your time somewhere else to actually make your sessions more um, effective in the field with participants as they're on their career towards missional living, whatever that may be. So as I get started, I just want a quick show of hands. How many of you actually lead a trip in some way at once a year or periodically? Okay. How many are involved in planning and executing the trip from an administrative perspective? And some of you may raise your hand on multiple times. That's fine. How many of you are responsible for leading the people who plan and go on the trips? Got a few of you guys? Okay. And how many of you yourselves have actually been on a trip, short-term, medium-term, any time in the last year, going to in the next year? Okay. That's awesome. That's awesome. So most of you guys are involved in various ways throughout that. We're going to cover it from a lot of different angles today. And I want to know that this is going to be fast-hitting so please understand, this is not the end-all, be-all. This is the start of the conversation. And what I want this to be done is I'm going to go through probably like 60 different things, and then we're actually going to open it up for you guys to share some of the things that you found effective or questions as well. So we will have a period of about 20 minutes or so of questions at the end. But in this hour, we're going to kick through a lot of different things from the whole gamut, from beginning of the trip all the way through the end and afterwards, and how do you keep people engaged through that process. And I want to be able to share from the experience for that. And know that my heart really is, no matter where you are, no matter where God has you at this moment, I would love for you guys to feel success as you go. So that's a little bit from me. We also have an illustrious person here as well that will help uh, be my color commentary through this time. But Don is a director for a, an organization that probably runs about 70 trips or so a year. Um, and so Don's here. I'm going to go through some of the things I found, and then I get to bounce it over to Don like, you know, Pat Summerall and John Madden used to do and just be like, here's the color commentary. He can keep me honest uh, as far as what he's seen in the field as well through that time. So we'll hear from him in a minute. But before we get started, let me just pray real quick. And um, let's just bow our heads. Let me pray. Father God, you say in Proverbs um, that the horse is made ready for battle, but victory rests with the Lord. No matter where you have these people and whatever leadership position they have on trips, going on trips, or everywhere else. Father God, I just pray that you would just magnify their impact. God, that you would provide them efficiency and effectiveness wherever they are. God, and that they may see your hand at work in everything they're doing. God, allow us to go from this place, not just with tips and tricks, but with ways to be more effective for your kingdom. God, not for our glory, but for yours. In Jesus' name, amen. So thank you. Um, I wanna, there's a couple things as uh, we go. There are two real seasons as, as we look out across all the organizations and thousands of people going, there's two seasons in your world. And in reality, 
you have, and I'm going to try to step out of the way a little bit, um, almost 70% of all activity for missions and trips, short-term trips, happen between February and July. And then the rest of the time is the other 30%. So it almost feels, as far as the administrators, the people that run trips that I deal with, it feels like you have a pedal-to-the-metal time, just craziness. You're reacting. You're just dealing with all the stuff that comes up with organizing trips. And then you get this, okay, recuperation, rest, plan, and strategize. What's cool about this is right now, November is right in the middle of that planning time. And what I'm hoping today that you guys get to take away from is – This is your opportunity to refocus, look out beyond in the next time. Because once you get into that heat of the battle, you're just reacting. You're dealing with phone calls, donations, travel arrangements. You're dealing with people who woke up too late and missed their flight. And you're like, how do I deal with this? And you're like, you know, they're four hours away. Even if they get to the airport in said country, they're a four to five hour drive away from their field. So there's all kinds of chaos that occurs during that time. And so this is the perfect time to really reevaluate. Take some time. Like I said, we're going to go through about 60 different tips and techniques and things you can use. But really the goal is you want to start with your strategy. What is the overall goal for what we're doing, whether it's for this trip, for the organization as a whole? Because you don't know of these 60 things, plus people are going to share things here. You might pull away two or three, but how do you know that's going to meet and fit within what you're hoping? So if you don't know the vision and the strategy for what you want, that's really one of the key things. Be able to tie all that back. The second thing is look at the entire picture. Now, we realize that any single trip that you run on is really a culmination of a thousand different things, right? You have everything from the trip creation, recruiting, and marketing. You have trip leaders. How do you select them? How do you be successful in this? Your preparation for the team as they go. Logistical management is a huge headache in things that you do on a daily basis. Donor engagement, fundraising for your participants, communications, on-field success, and then after the success as well. And as you can see, this kind of spans a gamut of they're all over, um, they're interacting pieces, if you will. Communication flows through the entire process. A lot of your um, fundraising or participant success flows through your entire process. And so as you deal with this, I'm going to cover each of these, But just know that you have to think of the end picture. In the end, a trip involves all of these various things. So let me go into the first section, which is trip creation, recruiting, and marketing. A couple key things here with this. Uh, First of all, you want to work with your local leaders. As you're starting to plan out, for those of you that have success, you realize your trip, as excited as your high school students are, or as excited as this group of 5 or 10 or 12 people are, In reality, you're there for a week. You know, the the impact that you have is to try to sustain those local leaders to continue forward. So work with them. Ask, Start to find out early on during this time what's truly needed for next year. As you're planning out your next year strategy and how you want to do this, start to think what worked last time, what didn't work. Be brave enough to ask those questions because a lot of times you'll find some interesting answers. Um, Plan accordingly. If you're looking out ahead at the year, Know what type of leaders you need. Know what type of skills or other um, participant. Is language important? Is construction important? What's the goal of what we're trying to walk away with with each, with each trip and with each one? And then for recruiting, and, and this is a couple things. One, clarify the win. If someone comes to you, you want your elevator speech ready. You're 30 seconds of saying, hey, this is why this is important. We're going here, 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 and because we're trying to do these things. 
and we're coming alongside leaders and we're doing this. Again, speak to them about your organizational vision, strategy, but be ready. Because if someone asks, hey, I'm, what are you doing this summer? And you get to be able to speak into that of, hey, I'm getting to lead and create trips that are having a huge impact across, um, across this nation or in this local area. Call to action. One of the key things is you want to be able to provide people with a way to respond. A lot of times if they just go to your organization's website and see, okay, I'm so-and-so.org or so-and-so.com, that's not enough to direct them to how do I actually intentionally get there. And so try to provide either unique links or ways for them to follow up. One way that um, an organization did is they realized they weren't getting a lot afterwards from their participants. And so they created a postcard that they could actually walk away with. At the end of their trip, they said, here you go. And on it were just a couple simple questions. Name, ad, you know, email address, and then how would you like to follow up with us? And in that just simple thing, they get that, and now they know this person wants to hear about future trips. This person loved their trip, would like to serve more. This person just wants to help be a part of the you know, advisory campaign or keep us in mind or add to an email list. Whatever it is, find ways to engage and give them a way to, to um, act in that. Leverage your alumni. There's a lot of people that have gone on trips with you that have been there. They know that. Use them. Do they have friends, family members, others that would help in that process? Um, internal versus external. Balance your team out. If you realize this trip has a lot of grizzled old veterans, throw in a rookie or two to that mix. It, A, gives those veterans a chance to re-experience it through fresh eyes. Because sometimes we forget. We're like, oh, yeah, yeah. And then you see the excitement that happens with someone brand new on a trip. And you're like, yes, like that's, I love that too. That's awesome. The other side is if you have a whole bunch of newbies, you want a veteran on your team at some point. So um, find those. Try to make sure you're balancing that out. Look at who, how the team makeup is being constructed and try to balance that if you can. And then follow up. If they contact you and say, hey, I'm interested in serving, make sure you have a way to follow up immediately so that way they can, um, uh, you can strike while the iron's hot, so to speak. They gave you interest. I'm interested. What do I do? So last thing here within this portion of it is marketing. Your network is this small. When you tap into the other networks, what happens? It gets bigger and bigger. Leverage that. Leverage that. A lot of the times, the people that you like on the trips that are really your all-stars and they're like, this is awesome, they have friends that are very similar to them. So leverage out. Reach out to the other networks as you have. Um, social media. Be intentional. Uh, know which methods and are beneficial for you in that process. So Facebook works for some things. Instagram, whatever you, know, whatever you want to use, great. But just be intentional about the method you're using. Um, drip campaigns. Uh, so this is like an email or other way to automatically invite others. Include your alumni in this. By creating a way to constantly keep fresh in mind, hey, here's the other trips that we have coming. Even if they're not going to go serve with you, they can be praying. They can be supporting. They can be recruiting for you if they know what you're doing. So keep that information in the hands of folks. Work back calendar. Um, if you don't plan it out, sometimes it's easy to forget. Now, we all know in this room that we're dealing with people. So even if you have the best laid plans and you've communicated abundantly clear, they're still going to mess it up somehow. That's totally fine, right? I mean, it's, we are all human. This happens. And um, things happen in the field and elsewhere. You're like, there's no way I would have ever thought to plan for that. And now you add it into your plan because now you're like, we need this. So just be 
be willing to do that, plan that, leverage integration. Um, not only just with medicalmissions.com, the website, you know, that's kind of here at the GMHC, there's an integration point there. But think about your integration points with your partners, with your churches, with other organizations. How do you keep them apprised of where you're going in this next year? How do you keep them leveraged with, um, with partners or others so they can bring up needs as they arrive? So at this point, I'm going to pause for a second, introduce our color commentator, and uh, Don, just tell us a little bit from your perspective as far as what, within these two elements, marketing, recruiting, creating, other thoughts, other things here that have worked, or um, for your organization, how else have things uh, panned out? Well, thanks, Micah. The, uh, the challenge with marketing and recruiting is that uh, we're not all clones. We don't all look alike. And uh, Micah showed the slide of very busy from February through July. And, and yet the recruiting takes place, from my perspective, all year round. But from the people who are responding to my recruiting efforts, if we've got young folks who are still in school, then they, they work by an academic calendar. So I recruit students really in September and October. And I used to, get, I used to start getting tons of applications for our trips over the Thanksgiving holidays because that's the first time people would go home and take a little time to look. And then the person I have in my office who does applications – she comes in on, on Monday morning after Thanksgiving, and there's a stack. Well, now it's an electronic stack, but there's a huge stack. Well, and this year, that started three weeks ago. It started the second week in October, so it started five weeks earlier. Um, my, the teams I have in the fall, there are not many people going on the teams. Those teams don't have very many students on the students or in school in the fall. So, so it would be pretty much a waste of time for me to be recruiting students for fall teams in uh, March, April, May, June. Their focus is elsewhere. It's too late to go in a summer team at that point. So you've got to be able to slice up and, and dice your, your, uh, um, your potential recruiting population. So we're really, we're really unpacking that. If it, I wish that we were only busy from, from February through July. The teams are going then. It's chaos during that time. But, again, my appointments person, she's already getting, getting slaughtered right now, and so I'm already searching in other people to that. We, I think we figured out that we have maybe two weeks off. Okay. Barely two weeks off, and only one person or two people can leave. So, so um, again, we, we have about 1,000, 1,100 people that you're going through and on about 50 teams. And we're always training team leaders. We're always recruiting team leaders to get them better. We're always looking at new sites. We're always working with our national partners, doing a lot of crisis management, of course, because that just comes along. But the, the ability to manage the logistics, the paper flow, the person flow, and to, and to address all these things at the same time is – is complex. If you're doing a couple of 10, 20 person teams, it, believe me, it's a lot easier at that point. But, but um, to, to move up and start taking a whole lot more, you really have to have people who are doing a lot of these things at the same time. So the logistics, finding good logistics tools are, uh, are very beneficial. Awesome. Thank you. Here, I'll, I'll actually use this too so you can hear me and uh, then I don't have to yell through the entire time. I might have a voice after 45 minutes. Um, a couple things really quick uh, that Don was alluding to. First of all, your schedule may be a little bit different, but we have seen that in, in reality people will apply for a trip anywhere from 90 to 120 days, on, about 120 days on average prior to the trip, which means they're at least four months out. And you think about your own planning schedule, as Don was alluding to, with um, – you know, if you're getting students to go, you need to be ahead, and they're already thinking about next summer. What am I going to do? And so be leveraging that. And then um, the third thing, 
totally escapes me, and I will come back at a later point. But it was brilliant. It was brilliant. Um, so, all right. So let's kind of, kind of using this, let's talk about trip leaders specifically. Um, as far as finding and training trip leaders, a couple things is, one, if you know who you need before you start, what type of skill set, what kind of leader do you need? And then once you get that person, hold on to them. Like, I know there's, you know, in talking to one of the people on Don's staff, I know there's a, a trip leader that I know has done at least 10 trips. And once you find that person that's like, hey, I love doing this, and they want to do it every year, take advantage of it. You know, make sure their life is easy because you want them coming back again and again. Define responsibilities. If this is a new or an old, periodically or with every trip, define what are your expectations for the trip leader before, during, and after the trip. Make sure you're following up with them. As Don alluded to, look for leaders in training. Always look for future leaders. Someone who's taking advantage of that time and stepping out. When you do, start small. Provide little experiences, whether that's leading a day, a day excursion for the team, whether that's leading, leading a Bible study. Start to find ways to uh, provide for them the ability to step into that leadership. And then start to train them. It does take time. Leaders are not born overnight. And a lot of times what you're dealing with is raw clay, so to speak. You're, you're having to mold them and provide them opportunities to be able to be in this process. And so um, develop that skill. And one of the greatest ways to do that is to start with your leaders that are there, that are, are already leading and participating and guiding. You're like, how are you doing this? What would have made you more effective had you known it earlier? What would have helped you in this process if, I, if you'd had this information or training or something along those lines? How do we give that to you as, as we go? So those are a couple things as far as getting leaders going. And then once you get leaders going, there's a whole list of how do you get your team ready? So now all the applicants are flooding in, and you're trying to place them into various locations and the right team and the right place for them. Um, and as Don alluded to, this is probably, if you have... 10 to 20 people, you can kind of manage this. Be prepared for scale. If, if you start to uh, find yourself really being effective, more and more people want to serve with you. And God continues to increase that impact. What would happen next year if you did twice as many trips as this year? What would happen in two years if you did twice as many that year? If you can double that, really, and... That's the goal of why we even created Service Reef was really to be able to say, hey, guys, whatever you're doing, we would love for to save you so much time that you can double your impact. And whether you use this tool or not, like, that doesn't matter. What, what is key is God can use you in mighty ways. And it's amazing to see all of a sudden what happens. And then you kind of hit this oh moment of, like, oh, no, what do we do? <laughs> the what we did isn't working any longer. So be willing to adapt during that time. And that especially works with teams. Um, provide them resources. Um, set their expectations. How do you help them understand, especially if it's a new person going for the first time or they haven't gone in a while, how do they expect what's going to happen? And so leverage that and try to make sure you're defining with them what that is. Um, provide them any tools, uh, ways that they can self-serve, whether that's forms or other ways they can do it. Find ways to um, uh, leverage your team and technology if you can. I would ask yourself, what takes you the most time? As you sit back and plan out for next year, what takes you the most time? Or what is the most cumbersome process for you? And then think, is there a way we can work differently? Is there a way I can do this differently? Because as you're looking out that year, when you multiply that by two trips, five trips, ten trips, or 50 trips, that area that takes you a lot of time will start to help if you can find just a little bit of efficiency. If you look at this entire process, if you can find 10% efficiency on every step, 
you're going to be in a much better place. Sometimes it is. You look at one of these steps and you're like, ooh, yeah, that one. If we, that one's just a mess, we need to refix that step in the process. Maybe it's gathering participants, for example. But in most cases, it's probably you're doing most of it right. It's just a question of tweaking it and finding a way to improve and become more effective or efficient in that. And tools can help you do that. Last two things is, one, encourage the people. As they're coming on, make sure you're encouraging the new people especially. Uh, walk through that. Balance them. Pair, if it's a brand new person, pair them up with one of those grizzled veterans, and that'll help them through the process. And then help them share their stories. Um, a lot of times for participants, really, it's about sharing the story. And, and when I watch someone go through this process and help support them, whether financially or with prayer or otherwise, and I'm watching them, and I want to hear about what's going on in their heart. I want to hear about whether it's coming in from a donor perspective or a prayer support partner. I want to hear what's going on. And so help your participants share the story. Assume they're not, really, which is we'll get to in communication, but help them guide through that process and use their stories. Um, so on that, I think I'm going to pause one more time with team preparation. Oh, let me go logistics. Let me go logistics. Sorry about that. Um, last slide here until we hear again from Don. But during your crunch time, as we mentioned earlier, this is your nice, quote-unquote, relaxed time when you're only swamped with applications and trying to plan out next year. Um, but have a plan. Work that plan. Change that plan. Things change over time. What, is, what was effective last year? What's effective the year before? What is the feedback we're getting? And adjust to it as you go. Um, once you have a plan, work it. Because in the stress of the moment, you often forget and you're just running around like with your hair on fire, which is probably what happened to mine. And, um, you know, within that, you know, how do you, how do you work through that? Is you, you have to have something to rely on. And it really helps if you have a team. If there's someone else that can come alongside that's good, we are not all good at administration or finances or trip planning or spiritual leadership or worship or, you know, whatever kind of elements you have within your trip, try to lean on the team and leverage the strengths that you have. And then utilize whatever tools. As I mentioned earlier, if it's sticky notes or Excel or whatever, it doesn't matter. But we, what we see from our perspective is that when you count up all the trip leader time, when you count up the admin time, the leadership time, when you count up the participants' time, it probably takes about 150 hours or so for each trip that's run when you spread that out over three or four months or five months of planning. So be ready for that. And if there's any tools you can help in that process, leverage that. So, Don, other thoughts or anything on uh, those two? Logistics or team prep? Yes. What, we, um, what we've found in, in both of those categories is that um, if I have a problem in a certain area, whether it's recruiting, whether it's processing applications, talking to applicants, anything like that, they tend to happen again and again and again. So common things or recurring things happen recurrently, and I can plan for those. I, I can predict that 20% of my people are going to – something is going to happen. So I put a process in place to anticipate that and to address it with as minimal new time as possible. We always have problems with getting medications in through customs. And the countries will change their customs requirements um, usually two weeks before we get there. Uh, and, and so I just predict that. And before we focused on this a lot, I'd have people who are staying up till 10 o'clock at night in the office – working on these crises, redoing custom do customs documents. I was so thrilled about four months ago, I saw one of my, the person who works for me who manages a lot of this, she, she was redoing a whole slew of 20 or 30 pages of customs documents and putting the gold stamp on and putting the, you know, you can, you can conquer the world with 
with a couple of gold stamps on an emboss. You're getting them notarized because we have a notary in the office. And, and I said, what's going on? And she said, oh, such and such country completely changed the rules. We have to redo everything. But I'll have it done by lunch. So the emergencies are becoming routine now. And the response to the emergencies doesn't get anybody's blood pressure or heart rate up. It used to cause people to melt down and really question why they were working and doing this. But when you see things happen over and over again, expect them to continue to happen over again, over and over again, and plan for them, and then save your time and energy for the real crises that are brand new. There will be plenty of them also. So plan, plan, plan. It's, you know, crisis management is, is really our job. So the things that are routine crises, just make them routine tasks and, uh, and just really plan for that. That's awesome. Thank you. Um, a couple more things, and we'll do some handouts, and I'll, and I'll open it up for questions and other things here. Um, now the fun part begins, right? All the fundraising. And how do you manage this for this? And I'm, I'm going to look at it from two angles. First of all, from participants, get them to understand it's not about the money. It's about your journey. It really is about what is God leading you to, and how can you... Um, create that story, help them create that story. What kind of questions do you have? In the packets I'm going to hand out, there's even a fundraising walkthrough of like, what should we tell people? What shouldn't we tell people? Like, what's, how do you walk through? What is the, really the story here? And I would really bundle it in and encourage them to kind of come up in two versions of the story. The short story, and then kind of more of a longer story if people are interested. But help them create their own elevator pitch for why they feel this is a great time. What are some of the goals? What are some of the objectives they're hoping to accomplish with this? Is this just step one in a further journey? Is this step three to kind of confirm some of the things that God's been working on their hearts? What, what is their own story within this? And help them create it. Leverage technology is appropriate. Um, you can't tell that entire story on Twitter or Instagram or anything. You know, like there's no way to do that. So find a place, an avenue that does make sense. And then use those others then to promote your story, if that makes sense. So use technology as appropriate. Um, brainstorm names. A lot of people who are going with you have never really fundraised before. They are not professional fundraisers or go out and relate with donors on an often basis. So help them be successful. Help them brainstorm whether it's names, family members. Help them increase their impact because they're not going to think through that process. They're going to hit their immediate circle and think that's all they can do. So help them break through that initial uh, pattern. Small group. If they're in a small group, start there. And I would start early. I would start even before they have an official letter or anything and say, guys, we're in this together, whether it's life group, small group, connect group, whatever you guys call it. But I'm already in this. Start to ask for parent support just emotionally uh, during that process. And start early because that small group is a great um, place to start. And they have their own network as well. And then share their journey. Uh, as I alluded to earlier, when I help others go on their journey, I love to hear, how is God using you during this time? How is he preparing your heart for where you're at? How is he, you know, what are those struggles you're dealing with and what questions you're kind of going into with? And let them tell the story before and then during. How often do we get, we're all excited, we're going tomorrow, awesome, and we never tell anyone. You know, like, we tell our local people, everyone knows we're leaving, but send it out to your donors. Send it out to your, you know, participants. Let them know, hey, guys, we're going tomorrow. Be praying for such and such. Be helping. And a lot of you are doing that. I'm just saying that there's times that I see that it doesn't happen. And in that case, you have a ready audience that is so willing to be there and pray for you and, and support you guys as you head out. Um, and that really does cover your time while you're there. So as you go, provide updates, and we'll get to that a little bit when we get into the field as well. For donors... 
know that it's more than just a check as well. It, it really is. Most of the people that are supporting are your Aunt Sally's and Grandma Sue's and everyone else who's there to help support this person in their journey. And so help them. Know that they're investing in someone's journey and find ways to honor them. And help your participants and leaders honor them as well. Um, be intentional. We've talked about stories. Keep them engaged. That's an important piece. Um, coach the team members. I would assume that they are not doing what you think they should be doing. Just go in with that assumption, and then you won't be disappointed. Um, and if you go in and you say, all right, I'm assuming you're not following ask them, are they sending the thank you letters? Are they following up with those who have donated? Are they sharing their story? And try to check in with them periodically to remind them kindly to honor their donors, honor the people that have chosen not just to invest money, but their time and effort and to make it happen. Find ways to be creative about it. It, it could be as simple as a little knick-knack from wherever you're going, or it could be as, hey, we're going to do a coffee and I'm going to share a slideshow when I get back. You know, the old days of clicking through slides is gone. But you, that idea is still important because they want to see what the Im- impact is. How did this change? There's always about a story. And then what is the impact uh, beyond that? How do you get through um, and show beyond stories, beyond pictures, here's the lives that we're changing that. And realize that it's not about that week or two weeks. A lot of times we get into that, hey, we did this, we had this impact. But realize that that impact is a ripple effect. Your week or two there helps for the partners that are on the ground, and they now have an end with the community beyond that. And so try to find from them as well what ways to do it. Uh, one more thing here on communication. Communication, communicate, communicate, communicate. Um, don't assume that communication is happening. Make it happen. Uh, stay consistent. Um, encourage your leaders to go through this process. Make sure that they're regularly sending out updates. Um, create a calendar if you need to. Uh, work back to where key communication happens. One of the key efficiencies that you can provide yourself is to batch process. If you realize that there's a big season coming, you can sit and actually put, all right, here's my communication plan for this trip, this trip, this trip, based on where they're leaving. And you can actually create those ahead of time. And if you can create them ahead of time, it saves you worlds of opportunities. Because then I'm not having to get on a Friday and I'm like, oh, no, i got to send this out. I'm like, oh, it's already created. I just need to go take it from here and email it out. Or create a system even like MailChimp or something else that helps you leverage that and automate that process. Um, multiple platforms. There are a lot of ways to communicate nowadays. Find what's right for the team, but be consistent. If you're communicating constantly about meetings on Facebook, and then you're texting things on this thing, and then you're emailing here, your participants don't know where to go to find the information. And they don't know how to anticipate when it's coming in. So find a medium that works for your team and that team, and and try to stay consistent as much as possible. Um, Just do it. There's a lot of inefficiencies of it. If it just takes you two minutes, just go do it. Like, there's really (laughs) um, five minutes. Just if you get it done now, it doesn't hold as much stress over you in the time. And... uh, it's a lot better to over-communicate, even if they're like, well, I know that already. Good. That's, you know, now we, or at least I know that you know, which is good. Um, and then, like I said, take the thought out as much as possible. Schedule it out if you can. Don, do you have any thoughts on communication, donor engagement, participant fundraising that might help this crew? Boy, that's one of my biggest challenges. I'm an old white guy, and I communicate like an old white guy. I use email. <laughs> um, Facebook is something that I use to gather intelligence on young millennials. Uh, I post minimal stuff on there, um, and I, I painted, my wife and I and my father-in-law painted our house, the inside of our house, once and never again. I used to do auto mechanics, but I do medicine now. 
I hire professionals to figure this out. I've got, I just started a project with a marketer who's a millennial who's very experienced and successful in the New York market for doing some digital marketing. Um, it's really a jump start. And you know what we're learning? That old white guys communicate differently from 27-year-old nurses, whatever, whatever sex, whatever, whatever ethnic background they are. We're looking at, we're starting with Facebook. We're starting with very, he knows how to do very effective Facebook marketing, starting with different ads that look utilitarian or more emotional. We're unpacking incredible insights in just a very short period of time, two or three months is how long this is going to go, paying dearly for it. And, and I think it's really going to dramatically increase the number of folks um, that, that learn about us. We're developing an onboarding process for recruiting. Because when I'm first searching, I'm in a different phase than when I'm now looking for details about when I, when I uh, uh, want to look at a trip calendar and really want to look at the logistics. If, if I present logistics to somebody who's just wondering, can I really do this? Then I'm not only not scratching their itch, I'm often building a barrier. So... Um, be prepared to invest to find the right people. Don't ask me to paint your house. I can check you for worms. I can do your vasectomy, but don't ask me to paint your house. <laughs> Thank you, Doug. So, so Austin and Brett, or Connor, you guys mind helping? Um, so what I'm going to do at this point as, as we kind of wrap up and, and get into the next stages is I've created um, two things here for you. Um, one is just effective worksheets, um, and within this, this is just a packet of stuff to help guide you through this process. It covers a lot of what we've talked about kind of today, but more in question form. You probably don't need to do this with every single trip, right? This is just to take the time when you're in this planning stage to spend some time and walk through some of these questions. What are your goals overall as an organization? How does these events tie into your vision and strategy? Participants, team leaders, what kind of questions? And it guides you through some of the questions we've talked about, as well as there's a lot of other questions on there, fundraising one. There's in there about how do you help people create their story. So take a look at that, if you want. And then um, one other thing during this before we get into the next thing is I'll, I'll pass around an email sheet if you guys want. This is not a sales tool. This is literally because I believe this is the start of the conversation. And what I want to do is you talk about drip campaigns and automating this, right? So practice what you preach. So what I want to do is let you guys know once a month, send out five or six different tips on some strategy within these, what we've talked about. Because you're going to walk away from this weekend, and this is just one session out of all that you're going to be gathering and learning through this process. And if you wouldn't mind, just like one per row maybe. Um, if you wouldn't mind, if you want to put down your name and email address, what I'll do is I'll add you to an email. It's only going to be communication for this specific session. So there's nothing else. I'm going to, um, if we want, I can send you out that packet. I can send you out maybe the slideshow. I've seen some of you guys you know, taking pictures of that. Um, so within that, that's a way to get a hold of me as well. But really, it's to help guide and say, okay, in a month, in two months, here's five more tips. Here's three more things. And it's just a reminder Again, something in the back of your brain that says, oh, okay, I get this in March. Oh, oh, yeah, i got to remember this. So there will be five or six different tips each month, just something to go out and just a quick email form for you guys. But if you're interested, put your name in down, and I'll, I'll do that. And, again, I promise not to use it for any other method. It's just to kind of help continue this kind of, uh, the thought process beyond this. So while we're doing this, two, two last things. And I will say that a lot of times – 
When we're planning for trips, these are the things that are often overlooked. Is on-field success, and then what do you do when it's done? And these are somewhat tied in that during this process, the experience of your users, of your participants, is, is directly tied to how God works through this process. And it's going to look totally different. And one of the key things um, here is know your team. If you're leading a team or you're out there and training leaders on your team, know your team. How do they get engaged? How do they process? There's so many things that happen in the field that they could never have expected. There's so many ways that they're touched emotionally, mentally. They're, in some cases, especially if they're you know, brand new, they could be rethinking a lot of things as far as their own philosophy and worldview. So how, are they introverted? Are they extroverted? How do they get energized? How do they process new experiences? In some cases, you're going to know that ahead of time, and so you can plan for it. In many cases, you're just going to be reacting when you're on the field. But give them time and space to be able to do that. One of the key things is, and we've mentioned this on a couple other steps as well, but unpack those expectations. A lot of times the biggest stress is between the difference between my expectation and what reality is. And that difference right there, that gap, creates a lot of stress in people. So unpack those expectations. Unpack them daily. Go through each morning, hey, what is your expectation for the day? Or the night before, what is your expectation for tomorrow? And what that does, it gives you the ability to speak into that expectation. If it's off base, you can now help them guide that expectation so by tomorrow, they're not, they're, the gap isn't as large between reality and what they expect. Um, ask during the trip. One of the key things we do is daily debriefs. When you're on the field, you're exhausted. Sleep is so precious, and you want to take that in. And so, but take the time to unpack each night some of the things that occurred. Um, pray for them. Take prayer requests at that point. If there's something that comes up during those daily debriefs that's too large for that moment, just say, great, thank you for sharing, let's deal with it tomorrow. Like, or let's deal with it afterwards. Let other people go to sleep, you know, get their sleep, recuperate for the next day. But take that time to really check in on a daily basis. And then lastly, do a blog. Um, either assign someone to capture what's going on or communicate that out. It could be just an email back to your home office and then they're responsible for distributing it. But keep people involved. What's been so cool is to watch like, hey, here's our trip day one, day two, day three, day four. And it's like people are living through it with you. And it's really cool to be able to share the stories of what God is doing. And it could be quick, a small paragraph or something, but it allows people to engage with you during that process. Um, one other example there is uh, there's an organization that created a journal. They went through the process of actually creating a devotional journal. And they sent it out a couple um, a month or so ahead of time, and it had before devotions, during, and after. It's like almost a journal. They can journal as they go. It takes time to create. But they found a lot of effectiveness in that process because it's guiding people through this, and they have a place to kind of vent. And then they have it documented, so guess what? When it gets to the next part of trying to create their story, when they come back, it makes it a lot easier. And that's one of the key things. So during your trip, capture the highs and lows. If you're doing daily debriefs, have someone capture those because it helps to share back with that person over one week or two weeks, hey, remember on day one and two and three, this is what you were experiencing. And they're like, oh, yeah, I totally forgot that, because now by day five or six or seven, they're already you know, well past that portion. So cap capture that. Um, throughout the trip, summarize it for people, not just for external, but, again, now we're helping the participants. How do you process? You're going to come back different than you came here a week ago, two weeks ago. Um, how do you start to help that person guide <laughs> their step? How are they going to now communicate back what God did during this week or two? Capturing the moments during that time helped them uh, summarize that. 
share photos. Obviously, we are visual people. Photos speak a thousand, you know, pictures worth a thousand words. That helps especially with sharing some of that. But find one or two that really capture the, the quintessential moment for that person because they can now use that for thank you letters, for presentations afterwards. And then help them create their story. One of the coolest things that I've heard is um, help them create three stories. Because when I'm walking down the hall and you say, oh, hey, welcome back. How'd it go? I'm probably not ready to dive into 25 minutes of how awesome your trip was. So give them the ability and help your participants create, hey, here's a quick, like, two-minute story. Hey, it was awesome. God did this. He did this, this, and this, and I really feel this way. You know, like, quick, summarized. Then if they're like, awesome, tell me more, okay, now you kind of have a medium. But the difference between running into someone in the hall and then sitting down over a cup of coffee with your dearest friend are two very different stories, right? So help them prepare for that. Prepare for that and say, hey, here's your quick story. Here's kind of your medium. Here's your long, and here's some of the stories that I want to tell that kind of help evoke that, if that makes sense. Um, All right, so with that, um, oh, and then last thing is beyond their trip. See, it's so forgetful, I almost forgot it. Um, Once they come back, uh, there's a couple things you want to capture that, and the emotions and the heightened expectation. They're on the mountaintop. They're now coming back. That fades fairly quickly. How do you leverage that? A couple things that we've seen. One, ask for feedback. Take into account for next year, for the next trip, what are some of the things that went well, what didn't go well? How do, how do we help with that? Make sure you're getting that feedback from participants because that will greatly assist the experience that others have, even later that year. Um, next steps. Paint a picture for that person for future engagement. How can they engage with your organization? Tie that into the bigger picture. We talked about how they have their story, but also tie it into where your organization is going and where you feel God's leading you. I talked about drip campaigns. Remind them of the next steps automatically. Um, Let them know, because like we get all the way back to recruiting, these people now could be your face, your voice out there to recruit for next year or for the upcoming months. And then find one thing. Kind of gets back to uh, city slickers or other things. You know, there's only one thing. So find that one thing that they can commit to. Find a way to document it and remind them of it if you can. So at that point, we have about... 20 minutes, 15 minutes. So I want to open it up to questions, other answers, thoughts within that. Five minutes? I was told it was 60. Okay, so we have five minutes, but yeah, questions over here. So kind of taking us all the way back to the beginning. Um, so taking us all the way back to the beginning, I mean, some question I, I feel like we don't always ask is, is the finances and the time devoted to this short-term trip going to be worth what we could do in that community if we mm-hmm. didn't go And so how do you deal with the trip creation planning part just to decide whether there should be a trip or not and and what the opportunity cost is if you you are going, you know, with what could have been done with that? And if it's worth doing, then how do you make those finances in time? I guess, I mean, you already talked about that in many ways. How do you make the biggest impact with that? Yeah. That's a great question. Don, do you want to take the first stab at it and then I'll... Yeah, the first first half is... Fifteen? The first half is fun. I've, I've heard people say, um, you know, you can send you money to a, to a certain area, and they can do a whole lot more with $5,000 than the $50,000 that we're spending, or $100,000 that we're spending bringing the trip in. But I've uh, run that by some folks who are actually out in the field, and they say, no, 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 no. We could not effectively spend $50,000. We could not open the doors that your team opens in these new areas when you come. You would not believe that the barriers that a guy from one village has 
at certain kind or one village has in going to another village just a kilometer away on his motorbike, he cannot get into that community because of the tribal issues, of languages and as much, family issues, things that we just don't understand. I mean, this guy is from the same country, speaks the same language, but they're from a different tribe and they have a very long history of fighting. But by bringing an outside team in, we open doors. We, we are the bug, we are the UV light that attracts people and then the long-termers and the people who are there for the duration can then build those relationships and do the long-term disciple-making because that's our focus is building team, great commission disciple-makers. But my question, I guess, is that you, you had to realize that before you went, that that was going to be the case, or at least hope it was. Sometimes that's not true, you know, where, you know, a team creates a culture of dependency in a place that they go, or where a team... Um, you know, just as not at a, a maturity standpoint, or where uh, the people on the ground really do need money to pay for uh, a pediatric ward at their, at their, you know, indigenous hospital that they're raising up. So I, I guess my question is, how do you know that that's going to be what they need? You know, you talk to local partners, obviously, but do we even talk about that before we decide whether there's going to be a trip, or do we just decide there's going to be a trip and then try to make it the best thing, even though it might not be? Yeah, that's a good question. There are lots of poorly organized, poorly run, poorly planned teams that are going for short term and midterm. And I would refer you to Malachi chapter 1, first 11, 12 verses. And um, if that doesn't get your conviction to do the right planning, then then we need to go out back to the woodshed. Um, <laughs> I would refer you to uh, the book Toxic Charities by Robert Lupton, I think it is. There are a number of books out there that are fairly critical of how poor some short-term teams are done. There are some that are overly critical and don't really offer any hope. Sure. And so I would not encourage you to, to, uh, to read those. If you want to hear about them, we can talk on the side, and I'll tell you which ones I think are great and which ones aren't. And then... Um, I would refer you to the Accord Network and their principles of practice. And their seventh or twelfth one is effective management of short-term teams, where they send you over to the standards of excellence. Um, I'm, I'm doing a talk later. This is shameless promotion. No, promote. This is you, no, 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 no. On, on, uh, on maximizing the the effectiveness of short-term teams, and I'm going to point to a number of those resources. There are we've been doing. We, as a community, have been doing enough bad work that we should not be repeating those same mistakes. There's, an, there's not enough time to keep doing the same mistakes over and over. We have to learn from it. And we, as a community, need to raise the bar enough that we can nicely take people out to the woodshed and help them uh, um, see the error of their ways and plan effectively. And we do actually have more time for that as well. There's 10 minutes still remaining. So we do have time to, probably not as much time to dive into Jay's question. Um, for those of you on the recording, I'll get you in a second, um, is uh, he was asking just about that detail. I'm only repeating it in case people are on the recording and that didn't totally translate. Um, but asking the effectiveness of when do we know and how do we know and what kind of damage can we be done through that process. So um, quick question in the back. I'm just going to hand the microphone kind of through here, if you wouldn't mind. If I may, I'll speak to that a little bit. Because yeah. we're on the other side of the fence. So we're in Zambia. Um, we have a, a training school for indigenous rural church planters. And uh, we train them in, in agriculture and well drilling. So that when they go out into the villages to plant a church, they take holistic, a, a holistic approach. So we are actually here to look at building and bringing in uh, medical teams. Mm to support those rural church planters 
uh, take clinics into the area. And I think, I say all that to say, I think it's very important that you have a partner in the area that you're going to. And, and I'm sure we're all alluding to that. But if you have a partner that you can trust, you can also evaluate more clearly what the success of the short-term mission will be in the long term and what will change. So it's very important to have a local partner um, in the area that I think you take the mission. And they can help you with the process of, well, how is this going to be effective and how long and how much is it? Yeah. Thank you, and I'll hand it over to a couple guys over here. And um, in that process, that, that's part of where the planning comes. And ask for feedback from your partners, too. If something did damage that you were not intending to, now you can accommodate it, and next time you send the next trip there, guess what? You learn from that. So keep learning. It's, it's a process through there. Um, sorry, be there first. Thank you. Um, I'm just interested in um, your perspective towards um, bringing strong in a specific medical team, bringing strong um, spiritual Christians to the field and part of that team being uh, discipling other um, medical providers who <coughs> excuse me, may not be Christian. Um, do you have a, a best practice formula for that? Or? And I, I think it's probably a, a both and or a blend. Um, Don, do you want to speak specifically how you guys handle that? It is both and. We, our focus, again, is building great, our focus with Global Health Outreach is building great commission um, disciple makers. And that means on our team and our national partners. Some are great at various aspects of, of uh, certain things and some are, have got a different vision. And then the hardest for us coming from the West is with the, with the actual patients, with, our, with the actual locals. Our, our, our goal is to go and serve our national partners. We don't go into a country without partners in country. And, and the first and second and third step of planning is determining what our partners are doing. And we have a little negotiation process where we figure out what, what we can do, what we, what we can't do, how we could change the way we do certain things, how we could affect them more. But while we're going through that negotiation process, they're thinking also and saying, oh, okay, well, we can do this a little bit better. I'm getting... I'm getting messages now, hey, can you bring a team in two, weeks, two months to this uh, particular nation? Uh, the guy who's, who's running this uh, covert frontier church planning network has, has a bunch of guys underneath him in different villages. He said, we need one of Don's teams. We've got an in, just barely our toe in the door, and we need him to, his team to come in and kick the doors open like they did in this last site, this last site. I love getting things like that. I couldn't support it because it was just two months away. I had to come here instead, but... But um, those are the kinds of partnerships that have been developed. They have seen how valuable, like you mentioned, how valuable a short-term team, having a short-term team up your sleeve can really open doors to the nationals because it increases their credibility level and it gets them out in front with government officials, with tribal leaders, and, and with an awful lot of people. So it's a both end. We take very inexperienced people on our teams. We take very experienced people. Um, one June, we had sexcapades. We had, fortunately, I mean, everything comes in threes. We just had three big disasters on our teams that all dealt with sex. We, affect, we expect that nowadays, and it's going to get worse. And, and the Boy Scout rules used to apply, but now we've got to modify those. So, so there are always going to be challenges on our teams. Um, I love being able to share the Lord on our team with our team members who were cultural Christians. They, or they were cultural, you know, pick your denomination or lack thereof. 
So, so there are wolves that we try to keep off our team. We, we have some wolf detection um, methodology, and, and we try to keep them off the team. But we have lots of goats. Well, there are several faith traditions that we that I just encourage them. I actually talk to them first and see if they are. are is it an interview process? Is that how you detect that? Is it what? Is it in the interviewing process for team members? Is that how you we, detect that? We, yes. The, 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 um, we collect information on the application. We collect information on the church. Mm-hmm. I ask for the, the name of the church, the name of their pastor, the pastor's email, the church's um, uh, address, and I do a lot of Googling and looking at doctrinal statements. If, it's, if I don't get any hint in the in the uh, name of the church, what denomination it is, then sometimes I'll go Googling. There are certain um, faith traditions that I won't call very strong. Some of them have the same name as Christian in aspects of their, of their, their name. Um, and some are based in a large city in Utah. And we encourage them if they are, if they are spiritual, if they are spiritual people in that faith tradition, I encourage them to go with their own missions organizations. Because if I went to them and said, "Hey, I'm a Southern Baptist and I'm a died in the wool Southern Baptist. Here's my card, and I love doing what I what I do, and I'm going to keep doing it the rest of my life. I believe all my doctrines, etc. But I want to do a two-year mission with you guys. What are they going to say? They're going to say, "Have a nice day." Maybe you might even say that. And anyway, they feel I'm lost. I feel they're lost. We're going to try to convert each other. So why don't we just agree that our faith traditions are diametrically opposite, and you guys probably ought to go with your own. However, there are a lot of people who grow up in that faith tradition. They may even do their mission, and yet they're not attending. They're not really what I'm labeling spiritual people in that faith tradition, and we will have them come along with us. So people who are open, people who are totally lost, we'd love to have those. But people who are already dyed in the wool and in three, and there are three out there, and, I, and, I, and you know one of them, and the other one uh, has to do with the, uh, the Lord Jehovah and some other word. Um, am I tap dancing around this well enough? Yeah, I think so. So, so that's, that's, a, that's a big way that I filter out some of the wolves. The other wolves are identified on our teams, unfortunately, in the middle when they're melting down or having their psychotic break or... No, I'm not taking any medications. That's because I stopped taking my atypical antipsychotics six months ago, and I'm using herbal remedies. Um, and I've got an ER doc who's great with one of these. She called out this young lady who was having her pseudo-seizure on the plane on the way home. Well, and the question is, do they stop in Scotland or don't they stop in Scotland? Fortunately, the ER doc, is she's very good. And she said, I know you're faking. Stop it. Open your eyes. And the girl did so anyway, we train, we, we train for the wolves because that can be very devastating. We train a lot for security and kidnapping also. Yeah. All right. Unfortunately, guys, we only have two minutes, so I have to wrap us up. This is, like I said, this is the start of the conversation. There's no way we can possibly handle it. There's a couple next steps for you guys. Uh, real quick, um, on the last page of your worksheet, there is a couple ways that you can continue to follow up. Uh, one of the key action steps is look for Don's session on effective short-term planning, which is later today, I believe, at 120. I don't know. So take a look at your schedule. Um, and uh, But it is, I believe, later this afternoon. And if you can make it, that's a great way to kind of dive into some of the other things, especially, you know, when Helping Hurts kind of approaches. Make sure you're working with your partners through this process. And can't emphasize enough, you have to adapt through this. You learn lessons, you then adapt. You change your rules. You kind of go through it. It is a governing process, and you really have to uh, rely on that. And then 245. 
245. Okay, so 245. And um, so be looking for that for Don. Additionally, for us, a couple things. One, you have that worksheet library. Use that. Leverage that as best as you can. Um, engage the community. Uh, there's a um, practice... Those of you who are in this area, there's a free way to get involved in this and be able to share with others who are leading, ask these type of questions in a um, secure environment to be able to ask, how are others dealing with this? And it's a great way to be able to do that. And so make sure to do to look at that. And also, lastly, your email sign-up. Thank you for that. Um, if, there, if you're interested, I'll be sending those out, added to a list. And just, again, to remind you throughout the next 12 months, you know, just a, a periodically keep this top of mind of different ways you can continually improve because it is a process. It's a continuum. You get a little bit better each time you go. So thank you so much for your time. Um, I appreciate all this. I really hope that God can bless you guys wherever you guys are going and wherever God has called you to. I just, I just, my heart is really for you guys. And if we can help in any way, you have my card, um, a way to reach out if you just want to discuss. And then Don and I will be available for a few minutes up here as well. So thank you guys so much for today. Have a wonderful rest of your time here. Thank you.